first chapter of the religious page of the Houston Chronicle to read. For the wrath of God is revealed in heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold down the truth in unrighteousness. To hold down the truth. To keep it down. If they just can't understand that, now that's not trouble. Now if they just can't believe that, no, that's not trouble. God's wrath ain't dealing with a bunch of ignoramuses. God's holy wrath is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold down. They said, Brother, you just stay down there. We're not going to deal with you. Just leave us alone. Leave us alone. Right. Because why is God's wrath revealed against this attitude? Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. See, honey, you go to God sends you to hell. It'll be because you're a rebel. Unbelief and ignorance, it's absolutely refusal to walk in the light of you. And not being unbeliever has to roll up his sleeve, sit on his hand, thumb his nose at God. Takes a lot of effort, brother, to be an unbeliever. That's action. That's action. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. When will we ever face the fact that men are wicked, rebels, active in their opposition against God? With hearts that are hotbeds of hostility, Almighty God, that's the truth. That's the truth. And God has done for every man sufficient as to leave him utterly without excuse. And then come to the judgment, I think the scriptures teach that God Almighty will deal with them. It will take a few million years to deal with one individual. still have as much time left, you know. And every man is going to plead guilty and say amen to his own condemnation. Because there isn't an excuse. There isn't an excuse. There isn't one reason I'm speaking to anybody tonight that's going to hell. And that reason is there's a rotten spot in your life somewhere. There's an unyielded spot in your life, and you're going to go to hell protecting that corner of rebellion. You don't have an excuse. Not a bit on God's earth. Why don't men have excuse? Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to the wise, they became fools. And they became such fools 
This is a description now of the religious Saturday afternoon phase of the Houston Congress. Yes, religion in America. Yes, what's taking place in the pulpits of America. Yes, my history is front page news. This is up to date. This is exactly what's going on. Men have become so foolish, religious men, that having known God and they didn't like what they knew, let's get our children quiet if you can. They didn't like what they knew. They weren't comfortable around them. They weren't comfortable. And so they got him a pocket knife. And they began to whittle them a God with whom they could have fellowship. And I want you to look exactly, this isn't a picture, of so-called religion in America now. You know what they did? They got him a little pocket knife. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man. But even a God who is just like a man, I think I can almost put my finger about a hundred years ago in America, we got rid of the God of the Bible, and all of the so-called great growth in Christianity in America which we had to grow by changing God. But even after a while, a God who has just had the strength of a man, was, we were a little uncomfortable in his presence. So we got us a pocket knife, and we whittled out a little God like a bird. And he got too strict for us, so we got us a jackknife, Created our gods like four-footed beasts. And they were a little too holy for us now. Every cesspool that can be thought of is formed by religious thinking of this day. Until I verily believe I can prove it. But America's got the little pocket knife and they whittle them out of God. Like with the image of creeping, crawling, creeping. I don't know how much deeper in idolatry the sovereign God allow this country to go. Up till now, up till now, every country that had the gospel perverted it and then just plumb abandoned it has gone down the drain. The clearest expression of Christianity I've run across in the last 20 years in America comes from the Chinaman, Witness Lee, who was a pupil of Watchman Lee. I wonder how much longer before they'll be sending missionaries to America. We can't go much longer. I want to talk to you a little while on what I think is the closest thing to our societal needs 
This poor preacher's a wearer. What kind of God do you know? What kind of God do you know? In the book of John, at chapter 17, the Lord Jesus talking to the Father says, As thou hast given him authority over all flesh, God gave it the bloodstained Christ, not over some flesh, but all flesh. Because the Lord Jesus Christ went to a cross and bought men. I believe he bought all men. I believe he bought old Adolf Hitler. I believe he bought Brother Crucial. I believe he bought the world to feel. I didn't say he saved them, I said he bought them. I believe he bought the one who denies the very one who bought them. I believe he bought the people who return like a sow to the wallet of the dog to the lock. I believe he owns your lock, stock, and barrel, paid for you with his precious blood. My authority for believing it is the rest of the scripture we started to quote. As I have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as the Father has to given him. I think the destiny of men is in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't no more believe that salvation's up to you than a monkey. I believe I'm looking at the congregation of people. Every last thinking one of you ought to have been in hell a long time ago. I believe the only reason you're not in hell is because God is merciful. I include myself. I'm speaking to men and women who haven't got a claim on earth to God. I'm speaking to men and women that God Almighty's Son bought, paid for, He owns your lost stock and barrel. You can do where you please. And He's got you on His hands and He's going to damn you in hell or save you to go. But He's going to do one or the other. And I would plead with you, quit listening to the preaching that got us in the mess you don't get from this pulpit. But you hear that way up, Let's put God in the hands of men instead of men in the hands of God. I know these are sober thoughts. I make no apology for them. I think it took us nearly a hundred years to get as far away from the gospel and God as we are now. It may take us at least a week to get back. I don't know. But I'm asking you, oh, my soul. And let's read this scripture as thou hast given him authority over all flesh, that he should give, should give. Salvation is not an offering, it's a gift. The Lord Jesus Christ ain't going around here offering people something. He's going around here giving to whom he will. Oh, my soul, if that ain't humbling, I'll choose up and take that. Brother, you get your little brick bat and kill God about that if you can. I wish you'd get so mad at him that you, 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 you,
have been bragging on man and preaching a sore cloud all the time. And read the rest of the scripture. That he should give eternal life to as many as I have given him and this is eternal life. What is it that Jesus gives to some people? What is it? Well, the scripture tells us. What is it? Eternal life is to K-N-O-W-N-O. The only true God. Son, yes, then. Do you know the true God? I told a meeting in Winston-Salem. Yes, then. Thursday night of the first week of the of the Board of Deacons, he showed up honored us with his prayer. First time he'd been there. He'd heard that we wouldn't like to preach and one of these pious into hell church members, you know, that wouldn't let him back first, he wouldn't preach. And so he showed up and after I'd preached, he came down going to help the young preacher and said, young man, he said to God I worship wouldn't do so and so. I said, I'm sure you're telling the truth. Sir. But I was talking about the God of the Bible, not the one you worship. Now, a lot of times there's a whole lot of difference. I want to make four comparisons between the gods of this generation of in for hell so-called Christianity and the God of the Bible. The God of men and women today is the one they're comfortable with, one they pray to, one they say they're when they say they're right there, it's not a holy God. You can't tell me people that God's holy day, as most of us do, if our God were the thrice holy God the Bible talks about. In 99% of the second Christian homes, the Lord's day is absolutely Absolutely profane. And I'm telling you the two or three things folks can't get by. This generation's going to split hell wide open into the fact that it's going to kick up dust in the devil's face. The way it turns God's holy day into a holiday. Our Father remembered that the Sabbath is the Lord. You better listen to me. The God of the Bible has eyes so sure that he cannot look on sin nor the whole of Nicholas. Whatever happened to that Christ holy God? Whatever happened to that God is really the Lord, of course, whom Isaiah saw he got saved when he saw the Lord. This generation church people got saved by something, but they've never yet been blinded by the Christ holy blazing holiness of the living God. The God of the Bible is a holy Brother, there isn't anything that you need to see more than what I'm talking about. 
It is utterly enough to make the angels win. That's a blasphemous, easy, spice of familiarity that this generation has with a psychosis. I used to like to hear those old goatees, grandpas, pray it takes about a half an hour to properly come into the presence of the Holy God. God, us, ladies and gentlemen, which kind of God do you know? This utterly holy God. This one, uh, whose holiness and glory, when God passes met him, was above the brightness of the noonday sun. And there was nothing left for Saul to do but fall down blind as a bat, which God do you know? And it is the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring many souls to God. And if you don't get to God in Christ, you stop too short. Which God do you know? The God of the Bible is power. He's power. Not the God of present-day Christianity. Let me read you just one verse. Then said Pilate unto him, Seekest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee? and have power to release me. Is that in the perfect picture of what they call Christianity today? Poor little God. He's in our hands. We can do as we please with him. But not so. Jesus answered, Thou could have no power at all against me, except it was given thee from above. He had not yet found it out that it was in the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. And brother, he's getting the job done to bring out men, make manifest the wickedness of their heart as they spew out their venom against them. Men are doing it today, but it hadn't taken God but surprise, for he was set for the rising and falling of many in Israel and as a sign to be spoken of. This little two-bit Jesus that stands helplessly outside the heart door of this great big generation of so-called people. Why, he couldn't even start a fuss between two fleas, but the Jesus of the Bible, who is God, manifests in the flesh, will tell Pilate that you couldn't raise the weight of your little finger against that. Unless God Almighty gave you the strength to do it. I'm telling you, you sit now in the hands of a God, you can't even curse it. He don't give you strength to curse it. There ain't a way on God's earth you can beat God. You can't even blaspheme holy things. That God enables you to do it. And it may be that that's exactly He's working His purposes out because unbelief going to be manifest as well as belief. Jesus in the life, little fella. But Jesus, who is God manifest in the flesh, in like Debbie Rebel Reynolds, 
The Lord Christ the righteous. But, now listen to this, the wicked and him that loveth violence, the Lord says, my soul hates I'm preaching on how God hates sinners. And the man that affected me, pouring thousands of dollars a month in my ministry, brought me five fools of tent, and I don't know what else. He never heard before, and he'd been raised on this little milk stock stuff. Denies the holy character of God and makes the cross of Christ a joke. And you open the letter and said, I just can't take it, you'll have to give me some scripture. So I just said, well, just open your Bible and start reading. Why, the Bible even says that a Christian is the enemy. The enemy is of God. It does, it's time we need to get a little holy wrath around. That's right. And here it says the people who die do violence, the Lord says, in the soul of Hadam. The old time preaching say, sinner, flee from the wrath of God. But we done read, got rid of the wrath of God. We've been going around here telling sinner, God loves you. God loves you. Hold on the Baptist Jesus Christ. Some odd people hit the pulpit before I could pronounce the benediction. 
They had their little tricks in order the kind of God they had. And they began on me and said, my God wouldn't do that. My God wouldn't do that. I said, I agree with you. Well, God wouldn't do it. I've never had a person like that tack on the now. It didn't just take part of a verse or something like that. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. God of the Bible has made us a promise. Nevertheless, we look according to his promise. The only reason we're looking for it, he said it's coming. For a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. They all roam the streets of Houston. Mockery is the order of the day. Unsaved. I've been on the streets in America when a man couldn't walk the street at night, much less a woman. My soul. If God has to send every last one of us to hell, he'll do it. There's one thing he's going to see to us some of these days. This whole earth is going to be filled with righteousness. I read of the holy city, and the scriptures say nothing that defileth Years ago, in Texas, West Texas, a cowboy could be riding across the plains and feel the pangs of hunger. He'd shoot a little steer, cut off a quarter, slice him off a meal, hang the quarter up on a mesquite tree. Somebody could come along 30 years later. Take the quarter meat down, slice off the scab, have himself a good meal. Can't now, brother. People have come in. And where people breathe, there is various hostile, hellish defiles of a holy God. Even the bugs and the mosquitoes and the beetle bugs and everything else. You know where they get their breeding place? in the wicked hearts of men and women. There ain't but one thing wrong with Houston, Texas tonight, and that is that the air is full of disease and everything else because of the rebellion that is in the very breath and nostrils of men and women. Ladies and gentlemen, if God has to keep you in his concentration camp in the hill so you can't destroy the new heavens and the new earth. He'll do it. He's set to do it. One day, one day, bless God, he's going to make his promise to us. Nevertheless, some hell high water we love. Why do you look according to his promise? That's on the real ground we got for looking. So we got that. God Almighty sends men to hell to restrain them. In his providence, I can't explain it. For over six millenniums of time, he has allowed this earth to 
be a hotbed of rebellion against him. One day, he's going to crush that nation. The last reason, the last word. Why does God send people to hell? Not the popular God, but the God of the Bible. He doesn't punish sin. Not to correct people, but to punish sin. The scripture is plain. God can annihilate sinners, kill everybody. He can abdicate, climb down off his throne, cease to be holy. Or he can punish sinners in hell. Brother, if men are not in danger of hell, fire, God ought to apologize for hanging his son on a cross. If God don't send rebellious sinners to eternal hell, he's the biggest monster that ever lived. He's such a monster that he turned his back on his only begotten son on a cruel cross, all for nothing. And if there's a human father that low down tonight, I don't believe it. No, the honor, the character God's involved, if he does not finally bring sin to hell and deal with it, he's not worthy of the worship of anybody. I speak to a man now that loves 40 street walkers in this town. If he on the same plane you do your wife, you are lower down than a beetle. And if God Almighty's love is so impure that he will forever put up with the impious rebellion of men and women, his love's not worth a dime. He's going to punish them. And I won't send anybody to hell to do them good. I was in Mobile, Alabama. They kept me about 30 minutes of radio time. And God wouldn't let me talk about anything except his judgment against sin. I think that's the issue there. I don't think anybody gives a hoop whether Jesus died on the cross these days. Until they are afraid to tremble at the thought of facing God in judgment without a mediator. And the thing got pretty hot. And the big religious people of the town, they got uncomfortable. And they began to telephone and write. The manager of the station demanding that he take me off there. And said, he said, we just, we just want that fellow off. He's obnoxious. And uh, well, some, some, some of the mothers phone said, our children can't sleep at night. And all that sort of stuff. And the manager called me and told me what's going on. And I said, well, I don't want you to lose the station. And you know, we're paying you if you want to cancel the contract. He said, no. I said, I'm not a Christian, Mr. Barnes. But that first time I seen him about Mobile, Alabama, get two hoops in hell, whether it was God or not. That's what he said. He said, you walk the streets now and people are arguing about it. And he said, if it breaks, you stay on the radio as long. He got saved for the meeting over. Yeah. He did. And I got a little pious letter from a nice Sunday morning church member and said, dear young preacher, I admire your zeal. And if you let an older man help you, I got a word of advice and counsel. He said, I don't think it do a sinner a bit of good 
for God to send him to hell. And the next day on the radio, I didn't call his name. I read his letter. And I said, my friend, you are exactly right. It wouldn't do a sinner a bit of good for God to send him to hell. That isn't the reason God sends men to hell. He sends men to hell because his honor and his character demand it. Ladies and gentlemen, sin don't be punished. The God of the Bible sworn to do it. You don't believe it, but he will. You believe that you'd enter into such an agony and a striving for relief in the blessed wounds of my Lord. But God's going to punish. Out in West Texas, on a big farm, I had a dog named Shep, the black shepherd dog. Work all day in the fields, come on, the cows would be down, hiding from the flies and the mesquites, bushes. They wouldn't come home, they'd eat those mesquite beans, and uh, they, they wouldn't come home with the milk. They'd come home late from the work, and I'd say, Shep, go get the cow. He'd go get them. He'd bring them in. Oh, that's my dog. I love that dog. Love that dog. One day I went toward him and something growled at me. I just kissed. He had some white slobber in his mouth. He kissed me. I ran to daddy. Cried. Said something rather stiff. My daddy came out of the house and looked at Chip. Didn't say a word. Went in the house and got a shotgun. Came out and took a bean. Shot Chip clean out. I cried. I said, Daddy, why'd you do that? He said, Son, there's one thing you can do with a mad dog. That's killing. Then one thing God can do with a mad, insane man or woman, boy or girl, who live in God's world and some his nose at God with crime and trample down the cross of Christ. Man does that, is mad. He thinks he can push God off his throne. And it's just one thing when the final round of time comes that God can do. He can crush him. That's my message. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, 
abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important. When he says that God had commanded no such thing, and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.